Welcome to the Dairy Farmer's Digest, a podcast dedicated to all things dairy farming. Each episode, we will talk to industry leaders who share their insights and experiences into the dairy business. I'm your host, Keith Schweitzer, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good day, everybody, and welcome back to the DFD podcast. I'm your host, Keith Schweitzer. Different episode for you this uh, this time around. I had the opportunity to host a panel and career discussion at the University of Guelph with the uh, fourth year nutrition class and uh, David Innes's, uh group there. And uh, anyways, we recorded it for the podcast, and um, I hope uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's the first live one we've done, and I uh, hope to do some more live ones in the future. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Dave, for asking us to come in here uh, today and talk to your uh, fourth year class. Glad to be here. I know uh, you guys are thinking about getting out into some careers next year, so I think that's what the focus of the talk's going to be. So I will take a second here and introduce the panel. Uh, first, I will introduce myself. My name's uh, Keith Schweitzer. Uh, I am a graduate of Ridgetown College. Uh, I did a, a diploma in agribusiness there. And uh, after the diploma, I uh, had this idea that I was going to go into crop inputs. And uh, anyways, I tried that for three months and it didn't work. And I really just hated it. So I come from a cash cropping background with, uh, I guess, through high school and stuff. I did things in tobacco and did things with uh, hog production. Uh, And then in, I think, about 2004, my last year in Ridgetown, uh, I started working in the dairy herd there. And I really liked uh, working with cows, and it kind of progressed into uh, a career. So I started in the feed industry in 2006, so just uh, s- coming up on 18 years. So I know I don't look that old. The gray hairs might be a little bit better of an indicator of that, but uh, anyways, it's uh, it's been quite a ride since I since I started. So, uh, so I'm going to start on my far right. Uh, so this is uh, Sarah Robson, Dr. Sarah Robson. Uh, she did a undergrad, you graduated in 2017? Yeah, uh, majored in animal biology and minored in nutrition. And then uh, she did her PhD here and finished that in 2021 uh, here at Guelph. And uh, her thesis was in management and nutritional factors that influence weaning success in dairy calves. And uh, she's currently a ruminant nutritionist with Grand Valley Fortifiers and has been in the industry for two and a half years. So would you like to say? Hi to the crowd. Hello, everybody. My name is Sarah. So to Sarah's left, we have uh, Justine Dobson. Justine did a major in animal biology and a minor in agriculture here at the University of Guelph, graduating in 2018. Uh, She did her master's in uh, animal nutrition in 2019, and she's currently with uh, Sharp Farm Supplies as uh, ruminant nutrition, and she's been in the industry for three years. So say hi, Justine. Hey, everyone. Next, we have uh, Bruno, is it Mion? Uh, so she did a uh, veter- veterinary medicine undergrad at Federal University of Pelotas in Brazil. And then she did a master's in veterinary science in reproductive performance of dairy cows. And then a PhD here at the University of Guelph in transition health and trace mineral nutrition for dairy cows. Uh, so her current role is a dairy production expert and uh, nutrition and herd management with Lactinet and has been working there for a year and a half. And then to my direct right here, last but not least, 
Dr. Chris Church. Chris has uh, been a U of G here uh, lifer. Uh, went to OAC and graduated in 96, graduated OVC in uh, 2000, and just recently graduated from Lang uh, with an MBA here in 23. Uh, so Chris spent 15 years in clinical practice in Tavistock uh, with a dairy-focused vet, uh, looking at production medicine, uh, embryo transfer, and in vitro fertilization. Uh, he joined Alanco Canada after that and spent six years there focusing on transition health, and his primary role is to fill, uh, facilitate with vets and feed advisors and producers together and do on-farm uh, transition cow audits. And in 21, uh, Chris started an MBA in agribusiness, MBA in agribusiness. Uh, and as part of this, he's been working on two partnership or two projects in partnership with OVC and Lang. And the first is to understand farm advisory collaboration, so with vets, uh, feed advisors, accountants, uh, and lenders, and the second is to understand how production relates to profitability uh, to identify common KPIs for advisors. And uh, so Chris is working part-time uh, right now with Trail Nutrition. I think what we'll start off here was the first question, and I would like one of you guys to volunteers who's gonna answer first. Brought you into the dairy or agriculture sector. Can you maybe go back to what led you into going to school and, and your path to, to get here? Yeah, that is a good question. Uh, so I started working with a coacher still back in Brazil. I was telling the girls before, my family works with grapes and we produce wine. Uh, this is my family background, but I, I really like the livestock side. And then when I was really young, like 14, 15, I started working in a big farm, swine farm, and I really liked. Uh, and then I decided to, to keep in the industry, going to vet school, uh, and I really like being part of an uh, industry to produce food for the consumers, right? So I, I really like to be in the side of like food production, but in the side of keeping animals out and producing like really quality uh, source for food production. So it's, that is what motivated me to start and motivates me to keep in that industry for this long. Thanks, Bruna. Uh, Sarah. Yeah, so I'm not originally from a farm or agriculture background. Actually, in my second year of university, I randomly applied for a job on a dairy farm and decided to move there in the summer and be their laborer. So I lived on a farm for that summer of second to third year of undergrad and fell in love in the dairy industry. Um, so I worked on two different farms and was working a lot of labor and still loved it and still wanted to go back. So, <laughs> um, And then I realized I really liked the agriculture side. I started to streamline my courses and um, education in that. And then I got into the research side as a research assistant in my third year and fourth year of undergrad. And I obviously still loved it because I graduated from my bachelor degree and did another four years of dairy research in the calf side of things for my PhD and then continue to love it every day. I just think it's something that I'm really passionate about and that shows up in my work every day and it makes the days go by fast and work easy. Thanks, Sarah. Justine. Um, I have a really similar background to you, Sarah. So I didn't come from a farm or an agriculture background, uh, but I always had the intention of becoming a large animal vet. So I've always been really involved with animals my whole life, and uh, that kind of led me to the path here. So always interested in livestock animals, specifically dairy cows. So um, through milking cows and having a similar job to you, I just learned to love the industry and what it was all about and wanted to stay. 
obviously I did not become a large animal vet, but I, I really love the job that I'm in now and it, it opened a lot of doors to experience livestock and the agriculture industry and yeah, that's kind of how I got here. Thank you, Chris. Well, just to uh, keep with the trend, I didn't grow up on a farm either. Uh, I actually um, set my heart on being a vet when I was young and worked at a local vet clinic for a number of years. Uh, I grew up in town. One of the, the vets at the practice I worked at had his own dairy farm, and I started working for him on weekends and really fell in love with a cow. So think of dogs and cats. The medicine part of it is pretty cut and paste. You're not dealing with athletes versus a cow that how you manage them, how you feed them, how you manage their health will make or break their profitability. And I, I find that the, the, the dairy cow is a very elegant athlete. And so fell in love with that, then decided to change gears and uh, went into large animal medicine and then didn't stay in large animal medicine. So you see that there's lots of ways we can work in this industry without going one way and staying there. You can always switch and change. That's a very good way to put it uh, as an elegant athlete. I like that. I'm going to use that one. Uh, so I'm going to ask the audience, actually, can I get, I, and Dave, I didn't know this before, that none of us are from dairies. So it's kind of a happy coincidence if, uh, if I ever did see one. But uh, who here is from a dairy? Yeah, so we've got about maybe 25% of the class, if that. Uh, how many are from, say, rural or agricultural background? So, yeah, maybe another. So we got about half the class. So I, I would assume the other half of class is, is uh, from an urban setting. Would that be correct? Who's from the city here? Yeah, so we got a pretty good uh, demographic of everybody. So that's, uh, that's quite interesting. And I guess part of it, our job up here today is just to kind of to show the path on how I know I, I know lots of people that are in research and things in the industry and they always say, well, I wanted to be a vet and then I didn't want to deal with the school. So then I got into research. <laughs> it's actually quite common in the industry, but uh, no, it's good to see uh, different people from different walks of life uh, uh, ending up in the dairy industry. So. Uh, my next question here that I had on my list, and I'm, I'm going to give Chris credit for this one because uh, I know he put us through an exercise a couple years ago, is uh, why do you get out of bed every day and do what you do? Great question. Um, so when you're, I'm going to actually turn it over to the crowd first. Uh, it, as I went through my career, I loved being in veterinary practice, but I have a problem that I'm too curious. So it always causes me to say, hmm, how does that work? Or how could we make that better? And I realized, like, if you think of, as you go into this career, you think of some people end up in silos. So, hey, I only do nutrition. I only do vet work. I only do um, data work. I only do genetics work. It takes a team to make a farm work. And so many of the things that we all do interlap, overlap with each other. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, doing herd health work, keeping um, fresh cows um, healthy, those things really, I found, gave me joy. But the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is curiosity. So for me, it was, hey, how can I do better? What other schooling do I have to have? And having a growth mindset to say, um, what jobs will fulfill me in being curious and working with dairy cows? 
So those are the two things. And I, I want to leave the farm better than I found it. So if I can have those things when I get up in the morning, then it's not having a hard day. It's jumping out of bed to say, hey, I can make things better in my industry today and I can learn and then it doesn't feel like work. Bruna, okay, I will repeat the question. So uh, why do you, or what drives you to get out of bed every day to, to work in the industry? And it's a really good question. And to answer that, I will use some of your uh, talk as well because I had a different path than most of the people here in Canada. I started by vet school and I work as a vet in Brazil for over a year doing herd outs and I was struggling on that. Like we were really specific on one thing, on like maybe doing like a, a surgery or doing like repro specific on that. And I was missing being part of the, of the decisions and looking the farm as a whole. Uh, and then for this reason, I went back to school, did uh, my master's, came to Canada and did my PhD. And uh, I f my first job of my f after my PG was actually working more with nutrition. Uh, and I changed to Lactonat a couple months ago. Uh, and my job right now is looking the farm as a whole. So I mostly work with nutrition, but how I can do, what can I do in the management of the farm that will help cows to perform better? Or what I can do for transition cows to make sure they are having a good transition that will reflect in a better animal health and a better performance in the future and a better reproduction in the future. Uh, and uh, for me, like I, I'm from another country and I decided to stay in Canada and this is what motivated me to, to wake up every day and do my job is the industry here. I, I'm really proud of the organization that we have here. We have like a really good organization for our dairy farmers. Most of our farms are family based. So when we work with the farmers, we are working with a family business. It makes me proud to be working with them and to help them to achieve their objectives and make sure they're still in business and make sure that our industry grows. That's an excellent answer, Bruna. Justine? I was going to say the same thing. That was a really great answer. <laughs> and I kind of feel like my reason follows the same line of thinking. Um, I'm someone that's always loved to learn and kind of come across new problems and figure out ways to solve them. And uh, I find this career, this industry allows you to really do that. And there's always room to grow or ch change the lanes in your career. So I feel like there's always better and bigger opportunities. Um, and I think the part you guys mentioned about having a great team is a really big factor in that. You're not only a part of your work team, but you're part of the family's team on the farm you're working at. You're kind of a part of the herd's team in a way because you're there to support them and make sure they're doing as well as they can. And yeah, I just really love being part of people's success and being a resource for producers or coming to things like this to uh, kind of be involved and uh, be a resource for information and have other connections in the industry as well to learn from them. Excellent. Uh, Sarah? There's going to be a lot of common themes here throughout the answers. <laughs> um, so what gets me out of bed in the morning is really our clients or our customers, both the families and the producers that run the operation and the actual cattle that we are feeding in this case being nutritionists. Um, in my case, but it's just all about like finding a role that 
ticks all your boxes. It's something that I, it's, I'm a passionate person about the dairy industry, but at the same time, like everyone's mentioned, I really like to learn things and problem solve, and there's always going to be problems on a dairy operation that need to be solved. I want to be part of that value add to that team and be there for their successes, but also for their troubles and try and troubleshoot and help them get through those struggles and make sure that we're trying to optimize production and an economic way as well for the producer. Thanks, Aaron. I guess from my end, and I, I should have kind of prefaced this, I really didn't explain what I do, is uh, I'm a dairy management nutrition advisor. Uh, so I kind of take both the nutrition side and the, and the farm management side and do a lot of consulting on that stuff. And that really just, uh, what drives me to get out of bed in the morning is I, I like to work with uh, the producers that I work with or or prospects that uh, that we have and, and just try and leave the farm a little bit better after every visit. Um, when we're working in a production animal system, there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of change and there's a lot of factors and those are constantly changing and to bring all that kind of the whole helicopter view of the farm down to one one thing or one issue or one problem, you know, it's not, we're not going to fix every problem every day, but we're going to take in incremental steps uh, to try and help our uh, clients and producers uh, uh, do a little bit better and that's kind of what drives me to to get out of bed in the morning, so. Uh, so we'll start, the, I guess, do we have any questions from the crowd uh, right now? I know you guys have been sitting there nodding your head. You're having some nachos and some pizza. And, and I'm just wondering, uh, is there any questions uh, that you guys have for us? So my question's more for the individuals that are sort of doctors and nutritionists. Um, with having the background of veterinary medicine and then having integrated nutrition into it as well, do you feel it helps you bridge the gap with solving issues and kind of connecting metabolism to nutrition, et cetera? Or do you find it overcomplicates things? Because you go, oh, maybe this could lead to this, could lead to this. Whereas nutritionists would just say, uh, I have a much simpler answer for it. Like, what's the, is there oversimplification or overcomplication? There's a a uh, physicist that, that Danny um, Feynman, I think is his name, that talks about having a system that you try to, that his goal in life was to understand anything so well he could explain it to a five-year-old. And if you can do that on, and, and so I don't, I've never called myself the smartest person in the room, I'm just persistent. And so when I, whether it was with nutrition or vet med, it's, it was trying to understand how to explain it to myself as if I were a five-year-old and see how those things fit together. So it doesn't necessarily complicate it. It maybe allows you to think of more things, but it's all additive. You get through one step and then you add on maybe another layer that may help you with some watch outs. But if you understand a system that you can then explain it to other people, you'll be at the point where it'll just flow together better. Yeah, I agree with you. For me, it's the same. Uh, and I am I'm a visual person. I need to understand the pathways, and I need to understand how things happen. So for me, like for example, when I start working on nutrition, I need to understand like how the rumen works or how like the metabolism works. And I think like going through vet school that helped me and makes me understand doesn't overcomplicate for me, makes me understand better like how is the physiology of the animal, how is the metabolism, and how the changes in nutrition could make changes in the metabolism and in the health of the animal. So for me, like, it, it helps you understand better the steps and helps you understand better the, the, how the changes in the management would affect the animal by the end. 
And you guys obviously had to do metabolism as well as part of your grad school and stuff, so you guys understand that too. It's just, yeah. They have a PhD. You have a PhD as well. I sound really rude. <laughs> great question and great answers. So what is the biggest surprise or challenge that you found when you started on your career path? I think we'll start with Justine. I guess going into the career, I thought I was very underqualified for it and very scared to kind of start, like even where to start, how can someone like a new graduate or it's not a lot of experience, not from a farm background, um, how can I contribute positively to someone's already great business success essentially? Um, and then great I think question the and great answers. how well it went, I guess, like if, if you go into it positively and how supportive everyone in the industry really is. Um, not that I didn't think anyone was gonna be not supportive, but I think it just went better than I was expecting in a way. I'm not sure if that's a great answer, but um, it, it made me very comfortable in my career and maybe very comfortable to ask questions and learn from people and not be embarrassed or like shy about that because everyone has to start somewhere and uh, yeah. I've been going on two decades and I still feel that every day. <laughs> no, it's a real thing. Like you, you drive in somebody's laneway and, you know, depending on where you are geographically and say we're in Oxford or Perth County where they get five or six different, whether it be seamen, like genetics reps or feed reps or, or supply reps pulling in the laneway, like how do you differentiate yourself from there? And especially being right out of school, like you've got a lot of book theory, but when it comes to, you know, dealing with people and, and dealing with a, with a working farm, that's a, that's a completely different education. And, and I don't know if they can actually teach that. That's, that's a learned one. Yeah. So. Yeah, you learn a lot in school of theory. And then when you're in the real world, um, it's, it's a lot different. You can apply a lot of your knowledge, but it's almost like you're starting from ground zero and you're just learning all over again. Yeah, university gives you a great base, but your real education starts when somebody starts paying you to do something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sarah. Yeah, um, very similar. I guess you kind of have a bit of imposter syndrome when you first start out, especially coming out of grad school. I did four years of my PhD studying a specific topic and I actually had my first job was with Alta Genetics as their calf specialist so I did my PhD in calves worked as a calf specialist that was pretty fitting um, but you realize you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it and someone kind of calls you out on something and you're like I have no idea what the answer to that is so it's almost a bit of a ego check and understanding that you have you have to be comfortable with learning from your peers and not being the smartest person in the room and just being it's okay to say I actually don't know that but I have the tools to go and find the answer so I will find the answer for you you don't need to know everything um, but I think when you first come out you have all of these years of experience or sorry uh, education at least um, and people may assume you know more than you do and you may assume you know more than you do so it's just taking the opportunity to learn and understand that you don't know everything. Um, and I'm learning every single day and I will probably continue to learn every single day. And another thing is also having thick skin, especially like what Keith said, 
in our area and certain pockets of the um, country that dairy producers get a million people up their driveway a day. So hearing the word no uh, and no thank you, <laughs> uh, you have to hear that quite a bit of time, but realizing you still can provide value and having that thick skin to keep going back and trying to um, help that producer in any way that you can. No, Sarah, you had a really good point about the uh, learning from your peers because I've done it enough and I know I've sat in advisor meetings with you as well. You learn a lot from the other people at the table because they just have a, a different experience and they have a, a different knowledge set and a different background. And, and when you get a bunch of uh, kind of curious and bright minds in a room, like you can really, you can really start to make some, some positive changes on a farm. So, Chris? Uh, yeah, so as you mentioned in my bio, I graduated from Aggies in 1996, so I'm a little bit of an older generation, uh, probably have some of your parents as classmates, and our generation, the uh, accepted norm was once you start in a career, you stick with it till you retire. You don't move around much, especially if you do grad work and are vet school, you've invested in it, you don't change. And so for me, the biggest... Um, challenge was understanding that your career doesn't need to be linear, that you can make change, that you can take the education you've got and pivot. And it's not like you're giving up on what you've learned, you're just going to use it in a different way. So that's having that, you know, open mind that, you know, you don't know what's going to be around the next corner in life, but that's not a fatal thing. That's just a change in direction. Thanks, Chris. Bruna? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest challenge was building relationships. And I think we don't realize how important this is when we are at the university. Because when we are taking classes, it's, it's ourselves, right? We need to study, we need to get good grades. It's, it's us by, for us, right? And then we, when you start your career, it's all the time relationships. It's the farmer that you need to build a relationship and he needs to trust you. Is a nutritionist, is a feed rep, is a vet. And building that trust is really important. And people have different beliefs, they have different personalities. And you need all the time to convince them that it's worth it to listen to us and it's worth it to have us on board and it's worth it to, to have us with them to help them. So like right now, we are building relationships. You are here listening to us, but we need to prove to, to you that it's worth it to listen to what we have to say. So all the time we need to prove ourselves that we are uh, worth it to be uh, helping. So I think for me, this is the challenge one, is building those types of relationships with different people, with different personalities. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I know, uh, looking back at my school days and I had a colleague that used to make fun of me quite a bit because it's like, do you just know everybody? I'm like, well, you know, I covered a couple classes at Ridgetown, so you know, you get to meet a lot of people and, and you hear that a lot from Guelph or Ridgetown or way back in the day, Kempville. I don't know if any of you guys even know where that is anymore, but uh, uh, you make a lot of lifelong uh, friendships and relationships here at university and there's lots of people that I talk to in the industry that I went to school with or, you know, we'd come down for Aggie Pub and you'd meet them there and things like that. So it's always a, a great opportunity just to just to meet people and keep relationships. So my next question would be, what were some of the resources that I used uh, to find or that you found when uh, starting looking for an opportunity uh, to get a career outside of school? 
Yeah, I think I will go back to my last answers. Uh, last answer is the relationships, right? It's the people that you know uh, and doing network and talking with people that are already in the industry and ask about opportunities. Uh, f for me, it was kind of an uh, easy transition because I started working for Altac and Altac was one of the companies who funding, funded my PhD project. So when I was done, I was networking with them and telling them, okay, like uh, now I'm done with my PhD, I'm looking for opportunities in the industry, and they had it. So uh, that for me was a good transition and an easy transition, but that was what was good, right? I kept contact with them and I asked uh, about opportunities and I asked people in the other people in the industry as well. So I think uh, having a great group, uh, uh, a big network group, is, is, we, that is what will help you to find what is available uh, and which possibilities are open and where can you apply and how can you start that. So how did they, how did you get your first or your job that you're in now? Was it just something that you applied? You seen it through ag careers or something like that? Or was it through word of mouth or a reference from somebody? For the lactonite job, you mean? Yeah, yeah. for the lactonite. So uh, for the lactonite, it was a little bit funny because I applied for a job with them a while ago, not my, the job that I have right now, but they had my CV on file and they were looking specific for a person that had a similar background that I have. A uh, little bit of like nutrition side and a little bit of the transition outside. So actually, they called me and asked if I was interested on hearing about them. So having that, uh, knowing them before and make them know what I knew and uh, what was my background was what made them make the call and ask if I was uh, willing to hear the opportunity they had. Great, uh, Justine. Yeah, so I got to where I am today again, through networking and people I met along the way. So when I started uh, university and even before, I always had the intention of going to vet school. So I kind of started networking right from then. So I worked for a large animal vet, a small animal vet. I worked for OVC. I worked in a small feed store. I milked cows. And uh, one day when I was milking, their nutritionist came in on farm just to see how things were going, just a regular visit and I started talking to her and we had a great conversation and I asked her if she wouldn't mind if I kind of job shadowed her one day and so she was happy to have me and I lived her sh in her shoes for the day and kind of just saw what she did and I, I really loved what she did and I thought it was really interesting. Um, so I kept in contact with her and when time came to find a job, I, I reached out and she told me about um, an internship opportunity with the company I kind of work for now. So then I got that job, which opened me to a lot more people in the industry. And just from asking questions and keeping contacts and kind of building my network, that's how I found the opportunity I'm in now. So a lot of people helped me along the way to get me where I am today. <laughs> yeah, it really does take a, take a whole village. Yes, it really yeah. does. Yeah. And Sarah? All right, uh, I'm gonna reiterate how important networking is. Uh, that is not how I got my first job. I like Google. <laughs> um, I was just looking for jobs, so I started looking on a lot of the job posting websites and I found this posting for the job that I started after my PhD. I had applied, I was successful. Um, when I realized I wanted to switch gears and go into more nutrition field, I then used my network and I reached out to um, 
my old boss, Kathleen Shore, at Grand Valley and talk to her about what her path was and just picking her brain over um, how she made transition from grad school and different careers to get to where she was today. Um, and they had actually funded part of my PhD project, kind of similar to Bruna's um, opportunity. And then there happened to be a job posting and that's how I am now in my ruminant nutrition role that I am in. Um, so having those relationships is super important, but also just keeping your own eyes out to see what comes up because sometimes job postings are posted for only a couple days if they have other network opportunities through other people. So making sure that you're still looking to see what opportunities and don't feel bad about reaching out to companies themselves or reaching out to people to reiterate, oh, I met you at Guelph this one time. Um, if there's anything that's available, please let me know. Just continuing to build those relationships is a really good um, thing to do. Yeah, that's a really great point. I know we don't see it a lot, but it would be kind of neat if we did. I, I know they have like resume blitzes and things like that at the Outdoor Farm Show and at CDX. And uh, you should just carry your CV with you there. If you see something that you're interested in, just, hey, I'm so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. Half the, half the time, like the agriculture in general is very uh, labor short. Like, there's a lot of opportunities. I, I don't know what the exact stats on it are, but there's probably more than one job for every graduate uh, coming out of university. So it's a, it's, a really, it's a really good career path, but you just have to kind of put yourself out there a little bit because it's not necessarily, we're not going to come looking for you. you got to kind of come looking for us. So, uh, Chris. Um, I'm going to reiterate networking as well, but the other great thing about networking is if you have lots of choices, there might be some places that you don't want to work and it could be a bad fit or it could be a bad environment, but how do you find that out without just taking the job? And, you know, many years ago, you just, you know, you looked at the help wanted ads, you, you went, you, you had an hour long interview, they decided in that time if you were a good fit. It's pretty tough to get to know a company that fast. So then you end up working somewhere for six months and realizing it's, it's not a good fit or it is a good fit. With networking, if you talk to people, friends, um, friends of friends, people in the industry like us, if you find out, oh, that sounds really intriguing what they do, I want to know more. You can then do job shadows. Or you find out that, ooh, a lot of people say that that firm over there, um, people only work there for three months. That's curious. And you start asking those questions, you find out more. Some people go into roles like that and stay forever because it turns out to be a good fit for them. But if you go in knowing um, a little bit more about the company and the people who work there, it gives you uh, more comfort of whether or not you'll be a fit and whether or not they'll have a role. Um, my last three jobs have all been through word of mouth from friends that um, I knew in advance that I thought I would be a good fit with their operations and then a position came up and it was just fortuitous. No, you never know who's listening or who you're talking to at any given time. Like there could just be somebody there that says, oh, this is what you're looking for. You know, I know so-and-so is, is looking for somebody. You should talk to them. Like it's, it's a, it seems like a very daunting big industry, but it's really not. It's pretty small. And to, just to, to echo that, um, we've all said that we love working with, with with producers. We love making farms better. We also like to help each other out. And with students, with colleagues, you know, part of that becomes, hey, if there's a way that someone you meet like in, in these groups can help you, they often will. You just you ha you have to be brave enough to ask. 
so I guess looking back at your career path, what advice would you give yourself if you were sitting in the crowd today? I think it's don't be afraid and uh, don't be afraid to ask for a job recommendation. Don't be afraid to say that you don't know. Don't be afraid to try a new career path. Like just be brave and trust your process. I think that's the best advice. Um, I think the best advice I could give is being persistent, I guess, would be yeah. one. Um, I, I kind of, when I explained how I got my job, it kind of maybe sounded like it kind of just flowed and it was easy, but that's really not the reality of, of it. I, I had to work really hard. I had to keep those connections. I had to always remind people, like, I am looking for a job. I do want this position. So persistence is, is really a key thing, I think, and it, it kind of just shows that you care. It shows that you're willing to work hard. It shows that you're willing to work as a team. And yeah, I think you can fit into a lot of really great roles if you just show that you're, you're ready to work and be there. Yeah, great points. Sarah? Yeah, I'm gonna reiterate kind of what Bruna said about being brave, like try new things. Don't look at a job posting and say, I don't meet these three qualifications. I'm not even gonna bother, like, there's a lot of jobs that will give you a shot if they think you're an intelligent person, a good fit for the company and their culture. And a lot of the things, people have the capability of learning and developing those skills. So don't just get discouraged by those qualifications and meeting them or not meeting them. Um, and the persistency of, yeah, just applying. Uh, a big thing for me was transitioning from my first job where I was comfortable with the content because that was my PhD area of research to now this job. It was a big jump for me and a big change and I guess I just had to trust myself that I was ready for that change and that challenge um, and I don't regret it at all and I love every single day of my new position and my ruminant nutrition job but um, that would be a big thing is, as well is understanding your first job might not be your last job, and that's okay. And it's okay to, what they say, quote, job hop um, until you find a right fit between you and the company. You don't, you work a lot of hours of your life. You wanna make sure you're actually enjoying it and um, you're passionate about what you do. If not, it's a long work day. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, and I'll echo that, that um, I like to call it the growth mindset. So we can, you'll see many people um, in your careers, whether you go home to farm or you advise other producers, some people get trapped in a, ah, the, it is what it is. This is who I am, I can't change, the farm can't change, it can't be different. The other side of that is um, trying to have a, a growth mindset and saying, hmm, we're not there yet, but we can be there. We can learn, we can reshape this farm to be more productive or different. Uh, so when you enter your career, wh wherever you end up, I would say I challenge you to try to have that growth mindset. Yeah, those are uh, all excellent points. And I, I think one thing that I would reiterate too is I know uh, earlier here we mentioned something about having thick skin. Yeah, don't get, uh, don't get too bogged down by the no's because there's going to be a whole lot more no's than yeses, whether it be you're applying for a job and you don't hear back, uh, you don't hear back from that employer or you're knocking on a farm door because you're trying to sell them a product or do consulting services, you're going to hear, if I had to hazard a guess, probably 20 no's before you hear one yes. So, and the other thing too is there's a lot of information and things that you can learn from a no, right? Like there's a lot of things in there that, okay, you can kind of go sit in your vehicle after and, and self 
self-reflect a little bit. Okay, well, break that down. Like, why didn't that go how I thought it was going to go? Uh, and then you can change, change and adapt. Because the 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 one constant in our industry is change, and it's always changing. And and being in it as long as I have been now, it's constantly. You see people wearing different shirts and. You see people at a trade show and you haven't seen them for eight months and they're in a different booth. It's like, holy crap, like, <laughs> what happened here? So, uh, was there any questions uh, for the panel from the crowd? So, just going back to the point about, like, having thick skin and if you're applying to jobs, like, if you don't actually know that company per se, um, how would you recommend, like, being persistent there? Like, just emailing them every once in a while? I guess in my case, like you recommended having a resume with you all the time. I actually did that and I would hand it out. Um, I would always keep in touch. Like I'd, I'd go in person, I'd contact someone, kind of build that relationship with one person and then kind of check in every once in a while, I guess you could say. And yeah, I, I that's kind of, it worked for me that way. So. <laughs> You, I, I understand why you're asking, like, how do you reach out? Because sometimes you feel like you're a bother by consistently reaching out and emailing this person. But I will speak for myself, like, my job's busy, and sometimes I get emails from people, and I'm like, oh, I'll eventually get to that. And if they don't send me a little friendly nudge, uh, then I won't respond. And it's not the fact that we don't care. It's just, like, our day gets kind of pulled in a million directions. Um, so I would just continue, if that's the first communication that you had with them was by email, just to continue to say, hey, like I'm still interested, like can I have some of your time, be willing to like come to them, um, even like have a lunch break with them or something. Um, I don't think it's bad to be persistent by email. Um, anyone else disagree or? I'm getting a lot of nods over here, so that's also good. <laughs> and I would just add something and that don't stick with only one person. Maybe there is other people in the, that same company that could help you as well. So like do your job, go through LinkedIn, go through Google and find who else also worked there and who else also could be a connection for you. And expose yourself, like go to places that these people could be at. So CDX, Farm Show, the Royal, like places that those people are attending and maybe would be a place that you can make the connection and, and talk with these people as well. Perfect, thank you so much. The one thing I'd like to add to that, I guess, is um, at the end of the day, uh, you don't necessarily have to go to, like, if they, if they have, like, a general HR, if you're, say, applying for a job and they have a general HR contact there, you can go on Google and look. Most companies will have what or who's in their departments. And a lot of times, too, like, I know in, in my role isn't to hire people. But I'm also constantly looking for people in the industry that we do want to hire and whether or not like I could run into somebody in Tim Hortons or somebody could shoot me a message and say, hey, do you want to grab a coffee sometime? And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. And then a lot of times like that's either if you if you do OK in that, but in that, you know, instance, I'm going to pass that along to my manager. I'm going to ask you for some more information so I can pass it up the chain too. so. Those kind of things help. Any other questions? Hi. So my question is um, for us, just getting to the end of our undergraduate degree, um, looking forward to getting careers or to staying in school, how beneficial is it 
to stay in school longer rather than go into a career. And like obviously like continuing to learn for sure in every aspect of life. I don't think that if we choose to go into a career we're saying goodbye to learning like I, I do believe in learning on the job. But how much of your master's PhD do you do you really like yes I did that and I'm really glad I did that. I would never go back and not do that type of a situation. Yeah, so I have my PhD, which required an extra four years of school after my undergrad. I originally started just thinking I was going to do my master's and then was offered to roll my master's into my PhD. I always kind of wanted to eventually get it, and I knew in my own sense if I went and started working, I would never want to go back to school. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take the opportunity to get it over with not over with, but get it done now. <laughs> um, but I don't regret it. I don't ever regret doing my PhD or post-grad um, school, at, at anything after your undergrad. I think now, yes, there's lots of jobs, but your master's or your PhD, either one, I'm um, not saying everyone needs to become a doctor of any set sort, but uh, it allows you to also get skills that you don't get in undergrad. There's like a lot of like problem solving, project management skills that you get through running research projects and kind of running your own life for a couple years as well. Um, a lot of mentorship opportunities and leadership opportunities when you're the head of a project and you have research assistants underneath you. So it does allow you to build your resume. Um, whether that's master's or a PhD, you're still gonna get a lot of the same skills and it really teaches you how to learn. So when you get out in those jobs and you don't really know the content, you have all the skills that you don't have to rely on a lot of other people to teach you, you can go and find those answers yourself. So I don't regret my PhD, um, but I don't know if it's necessary for all jobs in agriculture. I think it's very specific on where you wanna go with your career. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I guess for me, when I was graduating, I kind of didn't know what to do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to take a year off, go right into industry, go back to school, um, travel, who knows what I wanted to do. Um, but I did know that I found something I really liked in school, which is nutrition. And I kind of wanted to expand my learning on that. And grad school is very different than undergrad. It's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different schedule in your day. I you can't really even compare it to undergrad, and, and it's something I, I wanted to experience, and I wanted to run my own project and kind of have that opportunity. Um, in terms, if you're wondering if it helped me get a job having a master's, I think I've, I've never been in, in a, a chance when someone's not asked me about my master's in a, in a job interview. Um, so I think people do look at it. I wouldn't say it's required for every job, like you said, by, by no means, but I think it, it kind of helps and it just shows that you have um, responsibility, time management and all that sort of things. And it does set you apart a little bit, I guess, in a pool of people, but I, I would not, like I would do it again. I don't regret doing my master's at all. Yeah, for me, the answers will be really similar. Uh, I don't think there is a role. Everyone should do this career path and should do masters or PhD. Uh, I think like you should think about what you want and what types of position you want, and look for people that already have these positions and see how they did, how they got those jobs, and try to see how can you 
have a similar uh, opportunities as these people had it. I don't regret doing my PhD and I don't regret doing my master's. Uh, I think what was the most important that I learned was not the specific technical knowledge, but the project management, uh, managing the group. Uh, me and Sarah, we were doing our PhD at the same time and it was COVID and then everything shut down. We were with a lot of samples to collect. So everyone was, could not go to the farm, just the two of us. So we need to learn a lot, a lot of new skills, right? How can we deal with crisis? And you don't take this directly, right? We don't learn. It's not that there, is a, that there isn't a professor teaching you, oh, if a, 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 a pandemic uh, happened, this is what you should do, right? So you need to prepare you need to be prepared and adapt with the time. And I think the, my PhD gave me this, those opportunities to learn those things. But I don't think it's necessary for all jobs. Uh, and uh, all those secondary things that I learned, I think were more important than the specific technical knowledge that I learned. And I think that there are some uh, nutrition companies that require a master's to be on their formulation team, but there's lots that don't. And some of the, I've worked with some brilliant um, nutritionists that m maybe didn't. Thanks, even, Chris. Yeah, didn't even have their, uh, <laughs> but no, it's true. And we've worked with some of the, some of the, the yeah, legends in our industry that, you know, started off uh, right out of um, Aggies and went on to do incredible things. Um, so yeah, don't sell yourself short. You can, but it's everyone's at a different pace, right? And so if you feel you're ready, and the challenge is, is believing you're ready. You know, we all come out of school feeling that imposter syndrome, that uh, fear that I'm not quite there yet. Um, sometimes I got married near the end of vet school and that helped me because if I said I was coming back to do more learning, my wife said, no, you're going to get a job. Um, so having someone to give you a little push is, is sometimes helpful. Yeah, and me not having undergrad or anything, just, you know, a business diploma. Um, I'm not sure if it's kept me from having any opportunities on a financial reward benefit type thing. Um, I think what a lot of it, the industry looks at is uh, do you have good emotional intelligence and do you work hard? Because that, you know, we're sitting up here with a lot of people with that have done, you know, a lot of uh, graduate degree work. And it's one thing I know with the PhDs and the masters, it's a lot of work. Like it, it, there's really some work ethic things to it, but I know a lot of people that don't have it, that don't have, uh, that maybe only have undergrad or diploma that, uh, you know, they work really hard too. So I think that really kind of rises to the top when you get out in the industry. And it, it's worth noting that uh, work is stressful, every career. In agriculture, we hear a lot about um, producers and veterinarians having high rates of suicide. We all need to learn how to do a lot of work in a limited amount of time. Going through different extra learning programs can maybe help you learn those skills, but there's still some people who go through it that still come out and say, wow, I still have to face this stress at the end. So it's, it's no matter which path you take, it's trying to pick up those tools along the way to say, Okay, how can I do more in less time? Yeah, there's another question right there, Dave. Hi. Um, so switching gears a little bit, um, I was kind of wondering more from like a like a career selection perspective. Like some of you have like maybe more experience, you know, like maybe like 
I hate to call it out, but the vets maybe have more, a little, like, more experience with different animals. Um, or maybe you don't, but, like, either way, like, what kind of compelled you towards, like, the ruminant as a model or, like, cow specifics or that kind of thing? Yeah, so I always started dancing this wine. So I started working in a swine farm even before I went to vet school. I went to vet school, then I worked a little bit with pets, and then I tried working with cows, and this is what made me feel happy, and I see myself doing that for a longer time. So for me to decide was trying. Like, I tried the swine industry, and I didn't see myself working that forever. I tried the small animal industry, and I didn't see myself working that forever. And then when I tried the dairy cow side, the dairy cow industry, it's how I felt like excited about that type of career and is what made me choose for going to ruminants. Yeah, I was 11 when I started working at the vet clinic and, and thought, you know, I still love dogs. Dogs are, I have a dog and, it, it, you know, they're great. Um, but I was bored by the, you know, looking at the same old, same old. And, and as I mentioned before, I really, it's the, it's the, room, the, the rumen, um, the way it works, the way the biology works. Um, for me, I've, I've had the chance to work in all the different species, and it's the, the one part I keep coming back to. So I'm either going to work with cows or I'm going to have a doggy daycare. Um, I guess similar experience. I kind of, I worked with horses, worked with small animals, worked with small livestock, did beef cows. And I really just fell in love with the dairy industry and kind of the, like the culture that goes with the dairy industry um, and the people that come along with it also. So that's kind of how I chose, but I, I still do a lot of work with like small animals and stuff. I wouldn't say that I completely left that side of the industry, but more in my personal life, I guess. But I, yeah, I just really did fall in love with dairy through experience and seeing other people's passion for the industry. And that kind of like when someone else is really passionate about the industry, it, it, you kind of feed off that and you're like, yeah, I do really love this. This is a great community. There's great people. And there is in every industry, but I just found that I fit in this one the best. Yeah, somewhat similar. Um, I worked at a small animal clinic for like six years during high school and some of my undergrad and um, I love cats and dogs just I was kind of like Chris I said this saw the writing on the wall I'm gonna get bored here very easily I knew I wanted to work with animals still and then that's when I actually took that job in my second year on the dairy farm because I was like this is something I've never done before and let's see if this is something that I like so I just taking those opportunities, whether it's volunteering at places, um, reaching out to the different researchers at the university and seeing if they have opportunity for like help with the research side of things so you can get in some of the different barns and see working with different species. Um, I don't have any experience working with swine. I also don't really love birds in general so <laughs> um, the the cows just fit home like fit well and it just it will click like when you are passionate about something you just feel something like I could do this every day and not get bored and I think that's just what you need to find so just let me add something it depends the type of job that you have uh, there is many jobs there, right? And there is some kind of jobs with nutrition that you don't need to be specialized in one specific species. So you can work at different, like, feedative company or something like that. They work with different species and you can be working with all of them. So it depends a lot on what you want to do, you want to do in your future. 
cows rule, that's why. <laughs> no, I've worked in the, I actually got my start in high school working in, uh, in sow barns. And uh, it's very different than working with dairy. Dairy, I find, like, if, if say, for instance, you want to get into nutrition or veterinary, whatever, swine, it's very siloed, like Chris said before. Poultry, very siloed. There's not a lot of, there might be some production challenges and things like that, but a lot of it's very cookie cutter. When you get into dairy, every farm, every farmer, everything is different, every barn layout, every forage that you look at a farm, like there's just a lot more of a challenge to dairy. And I think that's why it draws so many, uh, so many people towards it. Yeah, we got time for, this will be the last question of the day. Um, this is kind of in that vein from what you were just talking about. Are you, as a multi-generational panel uh, in this industry, do you feel the progress the dairy industry is making is better or worse than what you would like? Do you feel that it's sped up in recent years? And do you feel like you're getting a lot of kickback still from the industry and the producers when you try? And also, are you restricted by, as a nutritionist, well, you have to push this product, so you're going to have to implement that into the diet, whether they like it or not. Like, you have to meet your quota on terms of sales and stuff like that. Do you feel that restricts you as well? I'll kind of answer that one first off. Uh, like, when I look at programs for farmers, I don't look at what additives we have to sell, because there are no additives we have to sell. Like, a lot of it is, you have that discussion with producers uh, as to what their goals are, and you can look at different additives and say, you know, this farm, you might get a benefit from B vitamins, or you might get a benefit from feeding yeast or rubensin or something like that. Like, it's a very individual, um, it's a very individual discussion that you have with a producer. Now, as advancement goes, I find in the last, you know, five or six years, like there's always the group that, of producers that just likes to do the same thing all the time, and you'll always have that. But I find as the younger generation, like my generation and, and, and these uh, people up here, not necessarily yours, Chris, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I think they're a lot more competitive as to what their peers are doing. And the other thing too is they're in a lot heavier debt load than what their, uh, the previous generation is with thinner margins. So they are a lot more willing to innovate and try some different things to try and move that needle forward. So when I first started in 2006, I got my first job in the industry. I always thought it was like, absolutely crazy nobody is ever gonna get a kilo and a half of fat per cow nobody's gonna do it it's impossible now we're looking at okay well we've got herds that are creeping up on two what's the next step like where are we gonna go to 2.1 2.12 kilos of fat per cow so I think the industry as a whole is moving in the right direction and there's just a lot of factors going into to why that's happening uh, I agree with you and then uh I'm pretty new with the Canadian industry, right? I moved here five years ago, so I don't have an overview about the past 10 years. But what I'm seeing when I go on farm is that we are starting the next generation taking over the farm, right? A lot of farmer, farms, they have like succession plans. Uh, and uh, a lot of the new generation, I think they are well informed. And we are the technology generation, right? So all the information is accessible now. And everything that you say, they can Google it and check if it's true or not. So I think the new generation is uh, 
going towards more questioning and going towards more like it is this worth it or not and working more to be more profitable or maybe more sustainable i think we are going through that direction uh, my first job as a baby vet was in a, 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 a amish community so some of the old order mennonites didn't actually allow women vets on the farm so compared to there to today it's completely different uh, you know, most of our industry now would it is predominantly female, you know, in the younger generations. Um, you know, this room's pretty, pretty representative of that. And you look at, at that switch, you look at technology switch, the fact of how many robots we have going in in the industry. Um, in Canada, compared to the US, it's, it's, it's astronomical. Um, so our industry is very open, I think, much op more open than they used to be to change. Change is still slow. We still have some producers that struggle with doing anything different than they have 50 years ago. And we still have some struggles with succession planning, but even that is light years ahead of where we used to be. And it's, it's, it's getting better. And there's more advisors that are now wanting to come along and help with those discussions that used to be off limits. But we see that farms won't survive if they're not financially profitable and don't have a succession plan. So that's becoming of, of you know, forefront. And as far as selling different products, no, you can, it doesn't matter what part of the profession you're in. If you go in and you say, here's what's true to me and I want to stay true, you can make that happen. Um, yeah, I don't think I have too much to add. I would say the industry is, is always going in the right direction. There's a lot of research going in. We're always trying to be better. We're always trying to be better for the environment, for cow health, for employees like it I and for producers and all the research going into mental health for producers I think we're always going in a positive direction like you said it might be kind of slow but I think we're always every year getting a little bit closer and I feel that um, like consumer opinion also is is really a major part of kind of how the dairy industry goes so that is a, a big influence we have as well and yeah, I, I don't think we're really constricted to what we have to sell. And I think you won't really have s success if you're forcing things on people. Like in the end of the day, like you want your farmers to be successful and what their goals are, are your goals. You want to help them reach those. And if they want to do it one way, you help them do it that way. If they want to do it another way, that's what you do. So you have to be flexible and not every answer is the same for, or every solution is the same for every farm kind of thing. Yeah, not a whole lot to add. Um, kind of like you asked if we had a certain quota for a certain product. Um, no, that's not really the case. We don't push a specific product. Um, those product pushers are out there and they're short-lived. Um, but like everyone reiterated, like you want to do what's best for the farmer. And if you tell them something and they implement it and they see no change, they're going to be very quick to pull it out. Margins are tight, like Keith said. Um, and the amount of progressive dairy farmers and the people that are willing to change and that kind of next generation taking over their farms are really into that um, technology and becoming more efficient and optimizing their profits um, as much as they can with these tight margins. So I think as the industry is moving forward, we're just gonna continue to try and milk less cows and be more efficient and help the bring the environment aspect along and animal welfare is always a big part of that and nutrition, so. Great questions and great answers. So I think we'll kind of end it there. I, uh, on behalf of the panel and myself, I just wanted to thank Dr. Dave here again for inviting us in today to speak to his
fourth year nutrition class. Uh, we really appreciate it and uh, hopefully we see some of your resumes and things coming forward. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Dairy Farmer's Digest is brought to you by the dairy team at Wallenstein Feed and Supply Limited. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast player. And please leave us a review. If you would like further information about today's topic, check out the show notes for further details and our contact information. I would also like to extend special thanks to Christine Spoonerwood, our producer, and our sound engineer, Daniel Nogueira.